Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This is our Q&A show. Every week, I post a personal development question on my Facebook page at Agent K. Miller to hear the real-world testimonials of people's journeys to change and grow. In this episode, our topic is around an age-old cliche, literally. We hear a short story and message from Zig Ziglar that wraps up with him stating a core value for humanity is how fast you get up after being knocked down. And I think I can safely assume everyone has heard this. If you've ever played football, I can guarantee you've heard it. But do we take it to heart? Do I take it to heart? I mean, here's the deal and point of the episode. If nothing hard happens to you, you aren't stretching yourself that much. You're playing it safe, which is your choice. But if you are striving, which by listening to this show, I can assume you are, you're going to have some trials, things that don't work out for you. And in your lifetime, you're going to be victimized. That's going to happen to everyone at some point. And the point isn't staying in a bubble. It's going out and at some point having your bubble burst. So the value, the valor goes to how you recover. Do you get back up? Do you do it with hope? Do you get up with hope and faith instead of bitterness and cynicism? Do you allow the trial to strengthen or weaken you is ultimately the foundation here. So from Zig's message that you're going to hear, I posted this question. What is a failure you've had or valley you were in or trauma you've recovered from that you're proud of and better for? And what was the catalyst for your overcoming? We heard about recoveries from abuse and financial valleys, infertility, death of loved ones, and much more. And I was joined by Michelle Prince to talk through all your comments. We also addressed some big issues in regards to why some people bounce back and others don't. And we get into muddy water with the concept of God being in control and having a plan. I think you're going to find this a pretty affirming message. Hey, I've got a favor to ask and something to offer in return, and it helps me when you share The Ziggler Show with others on social media, of course, and when you leave a review wherever you access your podcast, but this takes your time. So what can I offer you in return? You tell me. Seriously, share the show or write a review, then send it to me. Tell me at kmiller at awarebc.com for aware broadcasting, and tell me how I can help you. Answer a question, maybe? Give some advice, help you find a resource. I'll do the best I can. You tell me. And as Zig says, we'll help each other get what the other wants. All right. Before we dive in and we're going to start with Zig's message, we recently conducted a listener survey and part of it asked what products and services you were interested in. From that, here are a few. I love the story of the uh, one-legged skier, Special Olympics. Uh, she was in competition, the final run, her and one other skier. And this other lady in skiing first uh, fell down. And the second lady said to herself and to her friend, said, well, I'm not going to fall. I'm going to win this one. You can just count on it. Well, as the tides of fortune turned, she literally did fall. The other skier won. And somebody said to her, well, she was just faster. And this lady said, oh, no, she wasn't. She just got up faster. Now, success in life is not determined by being knocked down. All of us get knocked down from time to time. It is determined by how fast you get up. And that's what we want to be looking at. All right, folks, here I bring you Michelle Prince and myself as we talk about your comments to the question, what is a failure you've had or a valley you were in or a trauma you've recovered from that you're proud of and better for? And what was the catalyst for your overcoming? Here we go. 
All right, Michelle, as always, I, mean, I want to get through some of the comments here, but I actually took one and moved it up to the top and I thought, let's just hit the nail on the head or the, maybe it's better to say the elephant in the room with this topic, because it actually got me, this is an old, you know, this is an old thought of, you know, we're all going to get knocked down. It's whether you get back up. I mean, how many, how many times has that been said on the football field and in training? We all know that, but we also live in the real world in our own lives. And I don't think it's as cookie cutter as it sometimes comes across. So I'll start off with Chris Johnston here. He says, anytime you've reached a low and recover, one is better for it. And I would say, First off, one can be better for it because he, he goes right from there. He says, the question is, why do we have lows? And uh, some people are hardwired to bounce back more quickly and completely than others. I've got two questions, issues with that, I guess. Um, but, but I'll start off. I mean, we know that you, I'm sure you've heard and most if people have been listening to the show that long. I've played it many times, a clip where Zig talks about the study that was done on world leaders, world influencers. It was huge names. And the stat was something around 80% of these world leaders, world influencers were found to have come from, and he listed off a few things. Uh, they had a sibling with a disability or they had a disability. They came from a majority came from poverty. And so we can look at that and go, okay, hardship like that, you know, makes you, makes you better. Well, it can, because for every one of those people, there's however many that were overcome by that. And we all know people like that or have been there at some point in our life. And I think, well, ultimately, Michelle, I, I, to me, it's a holy grail question. I don't know. How do you know? Uh, you know, because we see it in families where these kids flourish, this one doesn't. I don't know. I have an answer for it. I don't know that I, I do either. But I do. I, you're right. I see people that are so successful, and they all have a backstory. They all have something that triggered that success. So maybe there is something to that when you do go through a hardship, when you have something that you have to overcome, whether it be a learning disability or something happened to you as a child or something like that, those people tend to be more, it's almost like that it gave them some perseverance to just push forward. Yeah. But then, like you said, there are people though that have been through that exact same scenario and let it destroy them. So what makes one person push forward and the other you know, I don't know. I think the answer might be hope. It might be faith. It might be believing that this is, you know, this is, in, you know, in your message, your message, right? This yeah. is when that you had to go through this in order to have something else better. But it's well, tough. there was a guy. So I interviewed um, Skip Pritchard and a lot of you guys will have remembered his, uh, his, his uh, show and, and the book. And it wasn't necessarily the topic of the book, but it stood out to me. And I have referenced the story many times, his family wanted to serve, you know, people in need. And I think they were going to do a missions trip or do something and decided it was too expensive for the family. They had a lot of kids. So they decided to make their home in the mission. They lived in a city, can't remember what it was, opened their home to people to come in. So Skip got front row seats to people who were, let's just say down and out in hard times, or as our question here was, you know, they've been, they were in trauma, yada, yada. And he got to see people of very similar circumstances and one would recover and go on and, you know, have a fulfilled life, uh, you know, and however they define that, but, but have some progress. And 
another one would not. And he really came out to some degree and said, do they have a, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, a hope mentality, a prosperity mentality, as opposed to, to a degree of victim mentality where, you know, you're a victim, you're giving your power away. They, they still felt some personal power, some personal responsibility. And so they were able to take the help that he, they gave, they got within his family there and go and progress. But even there again, I, and I've seen families with the same parents and the kids do or do not have that perspective. And we, we see movies where they make, they, they showcase that. I don't know. I, I you know. And ultimately what matters is us, um, us as, as parents, but us individually. And cause the thing that I wanted to pull out that Chris's statement made me think of that I haven't contemplated is I think we can look at this and say, okay, if trauma happens to this person, they recover and become stronger and better for it. When it happens to this person, they don't. I don't know that it's that cut and dry because thinking about my own life, there are things that have happened that I have learned from. I have learned a lesson. I have grown stronger. I have been resilient and I have progressed. And then another area where I have not. Uh, I had a friend one time and I was probably a decade ago and he said, man, Kevin, you know, you're, you're, you're great and you know, successful in these areas, but here's an issue. And it was relationally, he says, you're like a teenage rebel still. Like, I, I don't feel like you've matured past that. And he, you know, said it in, I, in, in love and he was right. And it nailed me. And I thought I, I haven't matured there. So again, is this a cut or dry? So are we, I, I bet people are listening and you may have an area in your life where you did have a failure, you overcame it, you're strong. And then you have another one where you're not, you're still stuck and you're still victimized in that still stuck in that trauma. It was uh, Mastin Kip, the show that we did with him and his platform is a majority of the areas we are stuck in are a result of unresolved trauma in our lives. And now trauma is a big word there because trauma sounds catastrophic. Trauma can be, you know, somebody embarrassed me in the school hallway. Uh, Absolutely. Something yeah. that's stuck with you all your life and you've, you've made, you know, decisions and beliefs around it. Yeah. You know, something that you said, I, because we can't really control what happens to us. And some people are able to take what happens and move forward positively and others negatively but it really is it's mindset more than anything and it's and it doesn't mean that every single time we have the right mindset because if i think all of us we're all just human and we're going to have times when we actually move forward past a bad situation and other times we get stuck like your friend was saying <laughs> you still are yeah. from high school but you know it's it's like that that saying it's not what happens to you but it's how you respond to what happens to you and i i think we all would love to believe that we can handle it so perfectly and beautifully you know, for me, I was thinking, I love this question because I was thinking through my own life, I, I, I have successes. I have things that I'm very proud of, but I also have a lot of failures. Mm -hmm. And I think back to early, early failures and now looking back and having the perspective, had those failures not happened, I would definitely not be where I am today. Uh, one of them I'll just share, and it's going to sound petty and it's going to sound not a big deal, but I was in high school and it was a really big deal to me at the time. I had my heart set on going to a certain college. My brother went to that college. It was a big deal. It was the big one in my state. And I just, my whole life knew I was going there, but I was not a very good student. So uh, when time, when push came to shove, I didn't get in and I didn't apply anywhere else. I mean, I was devastated. And so I very reluctantly had to apply to a local college that I did not want to go to. But I thought, well, I have no other choice. I'm going to go. I'll make the best of it. 
for a semester and then I'm transferring, (laughs) you know, down to where, where I wanted to go. And it's amazing what that one failure, quote unquote, and I really did fail. I mean, I really could have done better in school, led me to a life that I could never have imagined because number one, I met my husband at that Mm. school. I did not want to go to number two. I got so involved in leadership and a sorority and student government and all of these things that literally crafted me into the person that I am today. And so much more that at the time, such a failure, I'm such a loser. You know, all my friends are going to this great school and I'm not. And now I look back with perspective. So I I don't know if if we all get to that place with failures that eventually we get the perspective of that had to happen. Um, I can't say I have with all of mine either, but well, I, and I think we can. And so again, that's the point is how do we apply this now? Right now, some of us are, are still stuck in certain areas of our lives in places where we haven't recovered. We haven't become better for it. We're still uh, traumatized, victimized, handicapped, whatever. How do we get the mindset to recover from that? But then ultimately, how do we have the mindset to deal with the things that are going to happen and, uh, and recover and recover well from those. And it's, um, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge topic. I, I just, I, I don't know. It got me again, stuck on that thing of there are, you know, I, I had a, I had somebody point out one time and he was talking about guys. He was talking about, I think football specifically, but just kind of the manly man, you know, go out there, kick butt, successful guys who are, are world killers and world changers. And yet I, I know some of these guys and you put them in front of their wife to talk about conflict or their emotions. And they're the weakest people I've ever met ever. And so again, we want to say oh, these people are rock stars and just paint them that way. And nobody totally is. And I think we need to see that. Maybe that can help us have grace for ourselves that no, we are uh, overcomers. We have overcome in an area, maybe in the work area, but maybe there's a relational area where we haven't or vice versa. And we see that so often and it's almost schizophrenic with people. And I think with ourselves and I do, I, I look at myself in a, in a schizophrenic, like, Kev, what is wrong with you over here? You are a rock star. And I know that I am all, all shamelessly. I, I kick butt over here and over here. I am a weakling. What on earth? So uh, hopefully we can help have one help us with the other, but, um, well uh, here I'll, I'll hit a couple. We'll, we'll keep chewing on this as we go through here. And some of these, uh, my team picked out were things where people were, I'm going to call it victimized. Something happened to them. And in some other ways where they weren't, they did something or they chose to do something or wanted to do something. This is a, uh, I'm going to put it into the victim. Mandy, she says, uh, Huber, she says, uh, her issue was surviving my childhood. I grew up in an alcoholic home with domestic abuse. My parents moved every year. My mom married five times. It made me very resilient, uh, take no crap kind of person. My motive for overcoming instead of being overcome was, she says, stubbornness, maybe. Uh, There was no way I was going to live my life that way when I was making, when I was making the decisions or make my kids live that way. Huge motivator there. I love that. And it reminds me of the story. Maybe you'll remember it. I'm going to do a bad paraphrase that Zig talks about or wrote about me. It was in one of his books where uh, two guys with an alcoholic father. Do you remember that one? It was uh, something in the nature of they came out and one of them became just, you know, CEO, success in the family, success in the business. And the other one ended up in prison and, and they were both asked. And the one said, well, gosh, my dad's an alcoholic. How could I not have gone the other way? And the other said, well, gosh, my dad's an alcoholic. How could I not? become him. And we, that's, that's real world. 
I see that too with divorce. I mean, there are people oh, that goodness. have been through the families of divorce. In fact, my husband had come from a family of, of divorce. And I remember when we were even dating, you know, I, I have a family like yours, Kevin, where my parents have been married 50 years. And so I never knew it any other way. And, and I remember thinking like, oh, you know, is divorce going to, is that a good thing or a bad thing to have that as a background? And he had said, he's like, it did the opposite for him. Like for most people, like, like you're talking about with the abuse, it makes you think like, well, that's just the only way that's Mm -hmm. the way it's going to be. Whereas other people are so just, it it moved them and shook them so much that they made it, they swear they will never go down that path again. Yeah. And I, and you know, I don't, I don't really know the answer and why certain things, you know, we, we, we have the ability to get through like that and other things we don't, but yeah. that makes me think about at the end of the day, what this boils down to is change, yeah. you know, and how well do you accept change? And what I mean by change is how well do you accept what you expected for your life versus what you got? It's a change. It's different from what you really, really wanted. And how quickly can you get past that disappointment? to move forward. <laughs> I have to, and I'm, you know, I'm visual. I have to just share this real quick. Yeah. I saw this on Facebook or something talking about change and it made me laugh out loud. It was a picture of a caterpillar having lunch with a beautiful butterfly, the wings, just gorgeous and all this. <laughs> and the little saying under it was you've changed, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like not happy about it. Like, like what's happened to you? You've That's changed. That's, and yeah. it's, all the perspective, right? You can it see is. the caterpillar or develop into the butterfly. It is. And I, and I think I find myself, you know, as we're talking and looking at the responses here of trying not to, you know, again, we're in the personal development, self-help, uh, motivation, inspiration. It's so easy to sugarcoat this stuff or even um, there's some people, uh, you know, influencers today um, that so a couple people that I, I like their message overall but I struggle when they just get really hard charging and just say, you know, you just buckle down and you just change. And it, it's sometimes those people who I find out are really strong here. And then they're, they're, they're weaklings over there. I mean, none of us are rock stars across the board. So giving ourselves some grace to one aspect, but then to be able to ask ourselves in grace and compassion for ourselves to recognize these areas where we are not overcoming uh, and, and go forward. And I don't want to stick on the negative because we want to talk, we all, we all love to talk about the overcomers. You know what, if you've got something you've overcome, great, awesome. And, uh, but chances are that I, I don't know if there's anybody that would mark themselves off as a perfect 10 in all their life. And there are areas in my life right now, probably across the board. I mean, I can think of business issues, finance issues, and I can tell you the successes and I can post them on Facebook. And those are generally what I post on Facebook uh, because we don't post the crap, right? Uh, And, uh, but there's issues in each spot. And I go, golly, why am I doing this? I interviewed or I did another show. Matter of fact, um, uh, as of this recording, it was just yesterday that we had a show come out with David Meltzer, uh, author of a new book. And he talks in that show, and we talked about it yesterday when we recorded a Q&A, about the lessons that come up uh, in our lives over and over and over. He says, if it happens over and over, you're not learning from the lesson. Uh, It's not a lesson yet. It's still just a a trauma that you're repeating over and over. And I see that in my own life, something that comes up over and over and over again. And there's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Why am I not learning the lesson and changing 
And mm. I got to admit, I'm blown away always. And again, this is not to be, this is like the negative show. This is the anti Ziggler show, right? I'm not, not to be down on myself because I have great successes every day. I'm grateful for my own actions. I want to be proud of myself every day. I talk to my kids about that, my family, that we need to have things we're proud of every day and some things where I can look over, where could I have done better? And there's not a day that goes by where I don't look at an area of my life or an issue and go, man, I could have done that better. I did it again. When am I going to, well, we're, we're back to you change. That's right where you started, where yeah. that's what we're here for. I think. Well, and, and the, you know, the whole thing about the mindset too, it made me, when you were talking, think about like a lack mindset or, you know, the people that, in fact, I was just having a conversation yeah. this week with somebody about money and it was all about the lack of money and that there's just not enough and all that. And, and, and it's um, this particular person was, it's a cycle. It's something that has happened over and over and over throughout their life. And really can, you can really trace it back to something traumatic that happened to his family when he was very, very young. Mm. So it's amazing. I I'm fascinated by this topic because it really just goes to show the things that we hold on to minds that not necessarily are based on fact. I mean, yes, something happened, but do you have to hold on to it to where you're plagued by it the rest of your life? So is that where you, you know, try to get help to overcome it, you know, to get past something that happened? Unresolved trauma. You said that from, from, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's huge. And that manifests in so many different ways, physical ailments, uh, problems with marriages, businesses, etc. And I just find that I so often just continue going forward, accepting my limitations. They just become my norm. And I just kind of work within those. And then finally something will happen. The light bulb will go on and I'll just be amazed that I have been blind to it this long. And, and it's happened continually. And I should be, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I continue to see things. Otherwise I'm just going along like normal, uh, I think happens and we don't see them all. So I'm grateful, but then I'm also gotten to the point where I'm going to, I've told the kid this, this happened not long ago. I said, I'm going to be 90 and I'm going to have an epiphany and go, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I was blind to X, Y, Z for so long. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying David Meltzer as he shares his habits. This is a quick pause to share some resources from companies that help make the show possible, but also products and services you as listeners have told us you use, need, and want in our listener surveys. So here you go. Uh, Well, here's, here's a heartfelt one. Laura Golding, she says... My husband and I are in the midst of going through a valley. We have recently discovered some challenges regarding being able to grow our family. Um, I'm assuming that's like a fertility issue. Although difficult trying to maneuver through everything, I have already seen blessings and we have received. Ultimately, we know God is in control. We may not know what the final outcome will be, uh, but we pray for God to keep our hearts open for what comes. We are being more open than we ever have uh, with ourselves and each other about what our limits are of the few people in my life that I have chosen to share it with. I had developed a deeper, stronger and more personal relationship with them. It has also encouraged me to seek out others that are going through the same thing. I have considered starting a blog with the intention of being able to help other people through my journey. And it has also made me uh, be more compassionate towards other people and their situations. You just never know what silent wars people are going through. I love the grace and the awareness. I, 
I love that. And that's, I mean, that's really, truly the purpose behind the pain sometimes, right? Knowing that she's now going to be able to pass on what she's learned to help people through the most painful part of her, her journey with her, you know, trying to have a family. And I see that all the time. And I know you do too, with people that write books about what they've overcome because, you know, there's got to be a reason behind all this and we want to share it. Um, I, that's where I think it really is important is it's, you know, we're, we all are going to have failures. We, we all have had failures. And unfortunately, we're all going to have traumas. I mean, we were never, God promised that or said that we, it will never be easy, right? We will have troubles, but it's, it's kind of just how we can get through those troubles and taking what went, what we went through and then learning something from it and then helping somebody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, that, that seems to be for me, the key here. Yeah, you know, it's in, it, in overcoming it. it doesn't mean you're over it, but you're you just distracted when you're helping somebody else. About well, thank, focusing. thank you for saying that over it, because I also uh, struggle with we, we we've used the term overcoming in this and I've talked about it in other shows that I have a bit of a soapbox with that word, because I think we take the word overcoming and we think of it as as uh, eradicating. And it so seldom happens that trauma, that, that issue, that whatever generally lasts with us forever. The overcoming is going forward. Well, we interviewed Ruth Sukup lately, her book, uh, do, uh, uh, doing it scared. And she talks about, you you don't get rid of the fear. If you have no fear, you're a psychopath, you're mentally ill, Uh, you have fear, but go ahead and do it anyway. So we're talking about these things happening and yet, yes, trying to change, trying to have grace uh, and awareness like Laura here emulates, but is she going to get rid of the pain of what she's in right now? Completely eradicated, overcome, no fear. Probably not. It's now a part of her life. It's a part of who she is, but how can she manage that and go forward? You know what? Uh, let me, I'll share one. I've got a really cool one I want to cover here, but I'll share something that's happening right now. So I have a son who listens to these podcasts. So Caleb, I'm talking about you, buddy. He's my oldest son. Uh, he's 24 now, or did he just turn 25? Um, but, uh, he had epilepsy as a kid, um, till age 12 and he had it pretty severely had, I think nine or 11 surgeries. I can't remember. Um, I mean, he knows, he knows some of the worst of it, of being out of control, of being a victim of asking why me, And now here he is today and he sees areas where he's stronger and, and, you know, gifted because of that. He also sees areas where he is, uh, he struggles because of what happened back then. He sees both. So this is interesting about two weeks, uh, maybe three weeks ago, one of my other sons, my third son, uh, he and his brother were doing some woodwork and people follow me on Facebook. They've seen me posting woodwork stuff. These guys do and sell at farmer's market and fairly new to using a chop saw. He almost cut off two fingers. Um, so it's gone on today. He went to a children's hospital in Denver, had him looked at, and it was a bad prognosis that the skin has not come back. It was a really bad cut. It just died and sloughed off. He has these huge divots of no skin. He goes in for surgery tomorrow for skin grafts. So here's my 13 year old son who, you know, privileged life hasn't had, and all of a sudden he's faced with, what is this going to do? Is this going to handicap him the rest of his life? And we're not sure yet. And one of the first things is my other son, Caleb uh, said, well, I'll talk with him a bit because I know what it's like to feel like, uh, this is unbelievable. How, how did this happen uh, to me? Uh, and so he's going to use that. It'll be neat to see 
the gift of that journey for both of them. For uh, sure. And especially that. within the same family, a brother sharing with them. Yeah. Probably. That's, that's terrible at that age too, right? Cause you're, it's such an impressionable age and, yeah. and, and this, that will be interesting, Kevin, to see which way, how does he handle this setback? Yep. You know, will he see the perspective of it at some point or, or. Cause struggle? he's in it right now. He'll, he'll be normal. He'll struggle. <laughs> yeah, He'll struggle. He's in a little bit of that right now. It's just happening up going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. Like this doesn't, it's one of those things that happens to other people, not to me. And now I'm going to be right. the, the fingerless guy or whatever. And you know, it's, so we'll see how that plays out. Well, here, here's a good one. Uh, this has a lot, a couple discussion points that I think are really, really important. So stick with me on this one, folks. Brian, uh, here, he says, I was only 23 when my father passed away and I had just graduated from college. I was mad for a while, mad at him for dying, mad at the world. And yes, God too. What really got me through was a discussion with a friend of mine. The conversation was five months after his death. She said a statement that just hit me at my core. Why are you questioning everything that has happened? Things happen for a reason, Brian. Don't put a question mark where God has put a period. God had a greater plan for your father. Now he has a plan for you too. You better get your act together and through your faith, forge ahead and make the best of each day. He said such powerful words from her that I remember nearly 24 years later, word for word. She was and still is right. Every day is a gift and we make the most of every one of them. Okay. All in all, great. But I'm going to, I'm, I am going to pull out something and Brian, this, you know, I'm, I think those were words were for you. I'm going to trust that those words are for you. There's some hard words in there. I think for some people though, things happen for a reason and God had a plan. I have been, uh, I almost want to say unfortunate to know some people who have gone through some horrific things. And the one that I'll tend to go to for the, uh, for the harshness of it is, For those who've had a child who was abducted, who was raped, who was abused to take that and say, oh, things happen for a reason. God had a plan. And we went through a little bit of that with my son that I just talked about, Caleb, who had a seizure. We had somebody one time at a church uh, amongst some prayer talk about the sin in our lives uh, and looking at that as a result of our kid. Yeah. I mean, talk about some, uh, some hard stuff. And Inappropriate. So I, too. <laughs> I know, but, but now we're getting, we're talking about faith and spirituality and, and that to, to have faith that God is sovereign, that God is all powerful. And then that consummate question, why do bad things happen? And did God have a plan for that bad thing to happen to your kid? Uh, because you know, he had a plan, he, he has better things in the works. Christ cried. We have that. He, he cried in the, in the areas where he cried. Is he, is it, is he pretending because he meant for that to happen or did he allow it? We have to, we have to agree. I think that, and I'm not going to go into doctrine here that he allowed it, but were there some volatile words in there that have driven people away from faith, from God, from the church? When you say, Oh, things happen for a reason. God had a plan. Now, again, I'm going to give that Brian, those words were for him, but for those folks who are out there who have a really hard time with that. Yeah, me too. And it doesn't take me away from God. It takes me away from how I think we have defined God. And look, I think people have the best of intentions, sure, especially sure, sure. during a death, but there's, when you're in that moment, there, there's nothing, you can't say stuff like that and it not affect you. We've been through situations in our family. We had a, a tragic death in our family. Uh, in fact, just Sunday, I went to a funeral. Uh, my husband, and I went to a funeral of a, a, a mom and dad were killed tragically in a plane crash together yeah. and left three children, uh, 
adult, young adult children, but just devastating, devastating. And that's how uh, Chris's mother was killed tragically in a car accident, the exact same, similar type of situation, same age as one of these kids. And I remember people saying things like that, you know, that there's a reason for everything. There's a plan and purpose. And in that moment, of course you want to believe that, but in that moment, you're not there necessarily. I applaud Brian for being able to, to accept that and move forward because sometimes that's a really hard thing to do, even when people have the best intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I've seen this firsthand. My, my wife, Terry, gosh, I don't know the timeline now, about four years ago was in a really bad car accident. She was hit four times. Uh, it was on some ice. She was hit. It, uh, it gave her some, some issues that she'll probably deal with all her life, some neck pain and some different things. But she looks back on that and says it's one of the best things that ever happened to her because of what it did to her emotionally, psychologically, and helped her get over was a catalyst of getting through some stuff that she says, I don't think I ever would have gotten through. I would have never faced, I would have never dealt with, but the story goes on about two years later, she got hit again, another accident. She got sideswiped. And, uh, I think that was only two years ago, maybe not even, not even that far ago. That one she's not bitter about, but I know she just questions like, really, really? I, I, I don't, she doesn't understand that. And, and she has to fight a little bit of that feeling of, of, oh my gosh, am I, is there a, is there a target on my car? And, uh, a little bit of, and she deals with some, some fear of driving of, she doesn't even like to go down that road anymore. She's just, I, you know, she's not psychotic about it, but she says, that just, it's just bad. It's just some bad stuff. How do we reconcile that? I don't know that she has, she believes God is in control. She believes God allowed it. Did, she, did he cause it? And did he mean it for her to learn something that it's a lesson. And so many of us can come from that. Maybe we had parents who taught that, that, Hey, everything's a lesson, you know, you grow from it and learn from it. And some things just hurt. Some things just hurt. And especially when you don't think it's going to happen. Lightning isn't supposed to strike twice <laughs> yeah. in the same place. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never I, know why. Uh, yeah. Well, here, here's one, Tony Cooper. She lost a business. She said, I lost a business and ended up over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Almost lost our home and many other things. I went through a pretty deep depression during this time. I overcame it by building a relationship with Christ. My doctor actually introduced me to Christ and told me there is so much more out there that I need to do. I didn't know that meant what that meant at the time. Now it's helped me more than anything else ever could in my business and in my personal life. We paid off all the debt from this failed business. It took six years and a lot of lessons learned along the way. We failed and succeeded in business. My husband says we've earned our PhD in lessons learned in business. Business. Uh, I like that one. Cause that's my story. I, I didn't go to school. Um, I barely got out of high school and I went into business and I had some successes. I had some big failures. I think more of my wisdom, if I can say that today comes from what I did wrong than from what I did, right. That's what I'm able to lean on and progress as a result of more so these days. So that's what my wife says. Yeah, you didn't go to, to school, Kevin. It'd been better if you had and blown a hundred grand there instead of however many hundreds of grand you did uh, getting your, your master's in business otherwise. Well, I can relate to that. And I know so many people have been through that. And, and when you, you know, business is tough because it's kind of, it's your baby, right? So if your yeah. baby, if, if the baby doesn't uh, su- succeed, I mean, that's a failure. That's a death in a yeah. way. 
So it's, it's tough to get past that, but I love hearing stories like Tony and, and other people though, when they have, they, and in fact, there are so many people that the big successful people of our, of our day and age that they had huge failures before they became a big success. Mm -hmm. And so that just inspires me. That gives me, that gives me hope. It gives other people hope that no matter what happens, there is still, there's still an opportunity. And it goes back to that hope. Do you have hope that things can be better or do you see this as the beginning of the end kind of thing? Well, and uh, you, you bring up a good, uh, a good topic here too, because I know other people can also get the feeling of like, Oh, so something really bad has to happen to me for me to be a success because you're right. What you said, I mean, if I take a poll of the, I think it's close to 150 people, influencers who I've interviewed now, the vast majority of them did come from somewhat difficult circumstances from the horrific uh, of, of parents being shot down, uh, to, you know, to things that we would say, ah, it's not too bad, but for them, it was really, it was really significant. Uh, but the majority had pretty decent stuff to happen. And so I have heard people joke about that somewhat tongue in cheek would say, gosh, so I have to, you know, have, have hell happen to me for me to experience heaven. And no, though it's, it's interesting. I have talked to my kids about it, Michelle. And I said, you guys, of course, you know, everybody wants to be better. We want to grow. We want to progress. We want to become parents. We want to be better to our kids. And of course, we're not going to go be homeless just for the benefit of them getting strength. And I'm not gonna do that. But if you, they, if they live a life where there is very little turbulence or is very little trauma, there is some issues of what is going to give you strength and resilience. So I've talked point blank with my kids multiple times. We talk about that, that to some degree, I mean, uh, there, there's uh, a little bit of a, they're going to have to learn to want something hard enough and to have strength. And they're going to have to learn that without having to endure something terrible because uh, we don't want that to happen. I mean, I could die and they could be fatherless and their, their trauma be, we don't want that to happen. I'm, I'm working. So that doesn't happen. But, uh, you, you know, I don't know, look at where you are. There is a vast majority of people who are in this middle space where nothing hard is happening. Nothing big has happened. And it is hard to have a deep hunger, to have a deep strength. I think in there, uh, that's so that there's a, I'm going to put it out. There's an issue. I think that's real and that's true. And you've got to judge where you're at and figure out how are you going to get hungry enough, strong enough? Do you need to go bankrupt in a business to get stronger? Do you need to get divorced? Do you need to No, obviously none of us are going to go for that. Um, I think sometimes this comes as, as go out there and, and go for something big to where it's going to be a challenge. That'll help strengthen you. Well, nobody wants to live, like learn the lesson, right? <laughs> we all dread the lesson. But when you do go through something that you, you learn it so clearly, you know, if somebody dies in your life, all of a sudden you're so aware of how short life is and how relationships, how important they are, all those things. Would you have had that same perspective or, or you know, drive to really work hard in those areas if that didn't happen? Probably not. Maybe not. So there's good in the things that happen, but nobody, I mean, including myself, I don't want to, I don't want to have to learn the lessons the hard way, but it's usually in those lessons that we propel forward once we get past all the pain and the trauma and the failure. Well, here, I'll hit, I'll hit two different sides right here with a couple uh, submissions. Uh, Ted, uh, Ted Wobel, he says, uh, recovering from alcoholism gave me the most life tools spiritual and emotional pain motivated me to overcome it. 
Uh, it was God's mercy and grace. That is, that's another side. Is that a victim? And I don't know, you know, we could go back and go, what caused Ted's, uh, did he come from really hard circumstances and, you know, he's a victim of whatever, and that drove him into alcoholism or, or did he not? Did he have a fine, easygoing upbringing and he fell into that for some reason? And then he's, you know, he's dealing with himself and it's not so much of a victim aspect. I don't know. As opposed to here's Victoria. She says, I was physically, sexually, and mentally abused as a child. Jesus changed my life. A church family who came alongside me, uh, taught me to be a wife and a mother and a leader in my community. I would not be married or where I am in my career if it were not for my faith and the mentors God has placed in my life. I mean, there's a classic, she's a, you know, she's a victim. Um, we don't know people's stories, you know, what precipitated all that. And, uh, but either way it is, what are they going to do with that? I mean, those are things I, I can't, I almost feel bad speaking to because I can't, I have not been, I have, I've, I've had a charmed life in regards to anything like that. So have my children, you know, for the most part and the strength of overcoming something like that. I, I even, you know, even people who have lost weight, I've never experienced that. You know, people have lost a hundred pounds. I'm not to, to talk, talk about self-discipline. I, I actually don't know if I'm capable. Seriously. I mean, I am, I'm a foodie. I'm, I'm out here working my butt off and exercising because I just want to be able to eat and to, to be at that place. And then to have the self-discipline that is, it's a strength, but again, those are the, they're the exceptions. That's not Absolutely. the majority of people and, and, never recover. Go ahead. And you just wonder why some people have that story and other people have another, but it's, I just love that she see that she has done something beautiful and wonderful wow. with all that has happened and not let that, that pull her down or keep her down. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know how to summarize this all perfectly, but I mean, we're looking at coming back to what you said, Michelle, what are we going to do to change? And I think taking the time of being aware, it's my favorite word. Uh, I think these days is aware. I want to be aware. God, open my eyes, open my ears, reveal to me what I don't see today that I need to see that's keeping me in this place of not being maximized it, just to put it that way, at least that I can't, you know, this could be better. Where, where can I progress and where am I blind? And when we can see that and get it out on the table, maybe not overcoming by eradicating it, overcoming by figuring out how to go forward, scared as Ruth Sukup would say again. And, uh, it just, that's what it motivates me to. It motivates me to whip out my journal tomorrow during my time and go, okay, again, God, where am I not? Where am I, where am I blind? And I don't even know what I don't know. That's what my business partner says. The most dangerous thing. He's the doctor. He says the most dangerous thing is we don't know what we don't know. Uh, give us, give us awareness. Gosh, always a gift to do these, Michelle. This is, these are like our own personal counseling sessions. We should start, we should start sending each other invoices. We should, we should do. We would know we should be paying these folks. They're the ones schooling us. Yeah. And, like we have the answers, right? Yeah. Right. And, and to everyone who, who shared and shared so openly, thank you so much. And there's a lot of people that shared. I didn't get through all the uh, submissions, but it's such a gift to, to not only to us, but to the tens of thousands of people who are going to listen to this. They're going to resonate. They've got stories that they may not even be willing to share, but you're speaking to them and it helps give us all permission. And I think the freedom and the opportunity to, overcome. Michelle, thanks. Thanks so much, Kevin. 
Well, this show leaves us all with a question. What have we and have we not recovered from and become better from, not minimized? As I talked about with Michelle, I truly believe it's not black and white, and we are either overcomers or not. In some areas of our lives, we are and have been. In others, maybe not. And it sure has me pondering where I'm not for myself so that I can strive to and not be blind to it. All right, coming up next in show 703, the title is Get a Leash on Your Technology and Take Back Your World. Why would renowned associate professor of computer science at Georgetown University, Cal Newport, shun social media and keep ultra tight, tight restrictions on his own technology usage? Well, it's because he desires to master his life, his peace and productivity, and he knows the limiting power of unleashed electronics in his life. I mean, imagine waking up and immediately eating a donut getting ready for work and having a breakfast of donuts on the way to work, have a donut. As a matter of fact, you just keep a dozen donuts with you at all times and rarely let 15 to 20 minutes go by without at least having a little bite. I mean, what harm is there in just a bite here and there, right? But by day's end, you've never had enough room in your belly to get any actual good nutrition in. And you feel a bit woozy from all the sugar and carbs, even as you sneak a couple bites as your head hits the pillow and you try to get some sleep, which is disturbed by the day's intake of junk or if you were constantly spending money in the same way. I mean, we all know we must budget our nutritional intake and our financial expenses. We know we can't just binge on something continuously, but in a short amount of time, our electronics and devices have crept in and many of us find ourselves in a near nonstop diet of it. So what's it doing to us? I mean, that's our topic with Cal. As I mentioned, Cal is an associate professor of computer science at Georgetown University and the author of six books, including his most recent digital minimalism, choosing a focused life in a noisy world. Two of his books, his other books, deep work rules for focused success in a distracted world. We talk about that some in this show and his other books. So good. They can't ignore you. There's two books that I've heard so many world influencers reference. It was actually the testimony about Cal from Michael Hyatt that prompted me to actually do this interview with him. So, Hey, I'm grateful. And I think you will be too for this message till then. Thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.